0: But more importantly, they're going to be the person that's willing, willing to have the tough conversations with you when you're just being like a jackass, as an example. And that's one of the greatest gifts, believe it or not, that men can give each other is to call each other on their shit.
1: Welcome to the Bro Novo Podcast, the podcast that models healthy communication for men, empowering them to start the journey of self-work. Now here's your host, Thomas Pierce. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thanks so much for being here. And as always, I have an awesome guest for you and a really insightful conversation. If you haven't yet, please go fill out that Google form to let me know the kind of topics and content you are interested in hearing. I'm here to serve you and give you some insightful and meaningful content. So let me know what you're interested in hearing about. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please go ahead and give us a rating. It helps us grow the show and get higher up in their algorithm and also lets me know that you are enjoying what you're hearing on a a week-to-week basis. Now to my guest this week, his name is Robert Riopel. Robert is a trainer and coach who spends his time pre-COVID traveling around conducting trainings for thousands of people on success. His book, Success Left a Clue, is all about real, relevant, and repeatable steps that you can do to transform your life. And just for context, after talking to him, I was so inspired by what he had to say that I actually am going through his book now in my own personal time. So definitely give this one a listen. Have a pen and paper handy to write down some insightful things that you can take away and enjoy the show. Good morning, Robert. Thanks for being here.
0: Hey, thanks. I'm happy to be here and excited to have some fun.
1: For sure. So I love it that you're in your car on a camping trip and still making time to hop on a podcast. So that, that's that's commitment right there.
0: <laughs> well, look, and, and and this is I love to teach people that balance is important and balance is possible, and so you know, being able to, especially with technology today and everything that's going on in the world, anytime you have a chance to get away, be with family and still be productive, why not?
1: Totally. I often also do my recordings early and I find that it's starting the day off with a win like that is awesome. You know, you get up early, do something productive, getting some inspiration, whatever the, the net positive is, then the morning is off to a good start. So, for me, that's one of my, you know, life hacks, if you will. It's definitely getting up early, going to bed early makes me feel very productive. What are those things for you that kind of sets you off on the right track? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the,
0: the getting up early, for sure. The going to bed early. Not so sure about that one because you know, I, still, I haven't learned that. But, um, you know, one of the things I, because I'm all about self-awareness and I believe it's so important is I know I am a procrastinator. And I, I, I absolutely admit it. I, I, for years I struggled with it. I tried to pretend I wasn't and no, you know, I battled, but then when I started to embrace it, I said, you know what? Okay. I know I'm a procrastinator. So what are some of the tools I can utilize to allow me to work with that? And I came up with a saying that says this, it says, I will design my day in such a way that procrastination cannot play. And one of the examples of that is, yeah, I will schedule meetings interviews things very early because I know the moment I commit to someone else that I'm going to be there I'm up and like you just said once my day's up and running it is a win I celebrate it and I'm like yeah I'm going for the day and now I'm up and I'm running and I've not I've made sure procrastination doesn't have a chance to come in and that's how so that's one of the life hacks I use
1: That's awesome man Yeah I've well, I've one that actually got yeah, from my dad who Talking about doing the hardest thing first or scheduling the most difficult thing kind of first to uh, to get it going. So yeah, Robert, I was really impressed when I learned about your background and as far as you know, you had a you know, the initiative to start a business, started a, a Domino's franchise with your wife, and then at a certain point, two or three years in, you guys were in pretty significant debt and uh, there came a reckoning where the first two years, you were just go, 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 get the business going, keep it up, keep the doors open. And then once you've got an accountant in the door, things were things were not looking too good because <laughs> you had been just on go mode. You're in almost $200,000 worth of debt. And at that moment, you went to this workshop where you got some information around taking responsibility for your finances and, and, and turning things around. So I know there's a lot you could potentially say there, but it's a good timing because last couple of weeks we have been talking about financial freedom and what that means for people. So for you, yeah. you know, the listeners will be everyone has their own situation, but what are some of the core tenets that you bring to people when you're coaching them on kind of changing their mindset around finances and, and where, where do you recommend people start on that journey?
0: Well, you know, first of all, one of the things is to do kind of your own audit of where you're spending money. And uh, one of the things that changed my life was a saying from my mentor that rich people, they think long term, but poor people, they think short term, instant gratification. And that's definitely the, um, what my wife and I fell into. It was like, oh, we're starting to make some money. We're young. And the more money we were making, the more money we started spending. And so we had a ton of expenses and we didn't know what passive income was. We only knew what working income was. And so we were working our butts off just to keep ahead of the game or trying to but we weren't were not we were going backwards and the first understanding that i want people to get is because people go you know with my story we went from over one hundred fifty thousand dollars in personal debt to actually completely financially free nine months later after taking this training and learning first thing we learned how to manage your money why it was important and why we spent money the way we did but the second thing which was more important we learned to take responsibility for those debts. It, you know, I was good at blaming other people. Oh my goodness, I gave them money, they invested it, they lost it. Yeah, but guess who gave them money? <laughs> so take responsibility for that. And the moment we did that, then we started making and willingly making some hard decisions. If we want to get out of debt, what are we willing to do? And so most people think that we went from deep in personal debt to wealthy in nine months. And first of all, I want to tell people that's not what it was. We went financially free. And what financial freedom is, is when you have enough passive income coming in, that is enough to pay your for your month to month debt, then you're financially free. Now, why that's important to understand is because when we became financially free in nine months, we had enough money where we didn't have to work if we didn't want to. And it gave us one of the most important things we ever could have, Thomas, which is we had now had time freedom. We went from working 60, 70, 80 hours a week just to earn a living. We're now financially free. So we freed up all of those hours. And, and I'm going to ask it like this. Since I am aerodynamic, think of me as a genie. If I was <laughs> to sit there and say, Thomas, I'm giving you 60 hours a week extra to utilize in any way you want. Can you think of some stuff you do with that extra time?
1: Of course. Many things.
0: Right? (laughs) So we are now financially free, which gave us the time freedom. And my wife and I said, now we have this time to learn more. But we committed 10 hours a week towards our financial lifestyle. How do we grow our finances? How do we get it even better? And because of that 10 hours a week, from the 60 we are saving, we only invested 10 hours a week, all of a sudden creating wealth became so much easier. So my message to your listeners is don't try to go for instant wealthy. That's stressful, especially if you're already um, busy, have a lot to do, can't you know, even figure out when am I going to find extra time to do anything else. Get financially free first. Then once you've got the time freedom, now go for wealth and watch how much easier it is and how less, Stressful it is, if that makes sense.
1: Totally. Because I imagine that creativity comes out more authentically. The good ideas come flowing when one is not worried about rent this month or groceries, because I know I've got that covered from the passive streams, and then we'll be able to focus and get creative and and generate that wealth for, for ourselves. Man, one thing that's interesting is I imagine that mindset shift of taking financial responsibility crossed over into other areas of life, I would guess, as far as just overall as a person becoming more accountable and instead of just kind of shifting blame or shirking responsibility, taking that in, in other areas of life. Is that, does is that yeah. t- it's kind of resonate <laughs> without a doubt?
0: <laughs> um, I was introduced yeah. to an amazing uh, Zen teacher years ago by the name of Sherry Huber out of Mount Shasta, California. And one of the 17 books that she wrote is titled, How You Do Anything Is How You Do Everything. And it's so true. When you understand that, we're, we are holistic. We're mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, and financial. All of those tie in together. And when you understand that, you can see the comparisons. How you do things this way can definitely are the way you do it in other areas. So that personal responsibility you're talking about, that's exactly what happened. When we took it for our finances, then we also took it into every other area. Our commitments to relationships, our commitments to being there and uh, responsible for how we are going to take our health into effect—mental health, our emotional health—all of that. So it definitely plays into all areas of your life.
1: For sure. One of the relationship one, I had a moment. I work in sales right now, and my previous job. As you know, with sales jobs, often you have to record your activities, right? Record who you spoke to, what you talk about for the tracking of <laughs> controlling the minions. <laughs> <laughs> and so we talked about this recording calls, right? Who do you talk to? Which customers do you talk to? And eventually, kind of on the very same lines of it's working for someone else's dream compared to working for myself, my own dream, I was like, wow, I'm recording all these conversations with people in the CRM, up into the cloud. And it's like, I like these people. They're my customers, but they're not my family. Not my, I'm not recording my conversations with my oldest friends from childhood and keeping track of how often am I calling them up? Am I nurturing that relationship? So I actually started to record it with my, my personal calls, you know? Yeah. And it was good, man, because it, it I think very similar to recording and actually, you know, whether it's with the money printing out the credit card team, and forcing myself to look at where is this money going? looking at it at the end of the week and I said, "Oh, okay. I've made one personal call. I haven't talked to my grandmother in a month. You know, where are these priorities? Like where are where are the things that matter to me?"
0: And, and that's exactly it. Look, you're you're hitting on the head right there. Something that is critical for people to understand is, yeah, in life it's like I've got to be able to nurture my business relationships. Well, then definitely nurture your personal ones. And one of the practices I took up when the world changed that last year is I went from flying over 200,000 miles a year around the world to zero. And one of the blessings, and I know this may sound odd for me to say it this way, but one of the blessings that I've definitely taken from the world changing is I started having some deeper connections with people that I never had time to connect with over the last number of years. And one of the practices I brought on as an example, and I teach my students, you could do it every day or every week, but reach out to three people and just ask them a simple question. How are you? And just then open up a great conversation and be very present with them. When I started doing this, I'd also start connecting with people again and just reaching out. And, and how many of them said, man, I'm so great to, you know, it's great to hear from you right now because I, I'm having a tough time and just having a friendly voice has made all the difference in the world because we don't know what people are going through. As we're changing. And so, by helping others, it helps us at the same time. So, those personal relationships to me are even more critical right now than just trying to keep the business relationships, keeping our clients happy. Connect, and because it'll uplift you as it uplifts other people as well.
1: Totally. And I know you have that, you know, I know your motivation is, is to teach. You know, I, talk, I heard you talk about your travels around the world. 1,000 to 6,000 people in attendance for these intensive three-day workshops. And obviously, it's a, it's a business and it's a way to make money, but it's also your passion, right? And you care about people and you have the <laughs> confidence to get up there and share. That's another thing that a lot of people struggle with and want to tap into is being more expressive, being more confident to ask those questions and make those personal connections. And on this show the bro Nouveau podcast we're trying to model that you know healthy communication for men so to me you know as a both two men talking you definitely seem like someone who's genuine and i knew that if you know i was going through something and we were friends i could go to you and talk so yeah how do you get to that point right how did you get to the point where you <laughs> <laughs> have that openness <laughs> a, lo- a lot of a lot
0: of stumbling and a lot of introspection i i used to be one of the most closed down people because where I grew up it was a very well, in North America we know the term, a very redneck community. And mm-hmm. so it was like, here's the way things are, don't think outside of this box, don't you know, anybody else, if they think different, they're wrong. Came up to that and then I was very close minded to a lot of things. But as I started to work on me and as having a willingness to work on yourself, as I started to do that, it opened my mind to a whole lot of new things. And I surround myself with amazing I used to call them like-minded people, Thomas, but I've even in the last year, because I will always keep learning, I'll never quit learning. Over the last year, one of my mentors kind of gave me a paradigm shift. He said, if you're surrounded by a group of complainers, you're all of like-mind, you're going to be a complainer. He says, what you want to do is you want to surround yourself with growth-minded people. And so a growth-minded person, there's someone who's going to be there to help lift you up when you stumble they are going to be there, someone to be your greatest cheerleader as you're doing well. But more importantly, they're going to be the person that's willing, willing to have the tough conversations with you when you're just being like a jackass, as an example. And that's one of the greatest gifts, believe it or not, that men can give each other is to call each other on their shit and to sit there and say, dude, you know, what the hell are you doing? You know, and and men are really good at bottling things up. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, Thomas, but as men, we like to bottle shit up and, and not let it out. Because, you know, a man yeah. wouldn't do that.
1: <laughs> and so
0: our agreement to each other is if we're having a tough time and we just need to vent to get something out so we release it, we can text or call the other person, get on a call to each other. And it, the, the whole purpose of the call is if you were calling me for one of these calls, you just let it out. You vent, you, whatever you need to say, you get it out. I become the sounding board. I don't take it personally. I don't get upset. I don't try to fix it. I just let you vent, so that when you're done, and I can just simply ask it: Are you complete? If you're not, you keep going. If you are, you, you, yeah, I'm complete. Great, have an amazing day. That's it. We don't get into other chit chat. We don't. That call was specifically to let the crap out and let it go. And so that's something I learned a number of years ago that has served me so well because if I hold it on and I'm just a tough guy and I hold on to it and don't let it bother me. It festers inside. And we know how well that does. (laughs) And and it all comes to, you know, I believe the greatest gift anybody can give this planet is to be authentic, be yourself, show up, because either people are going to like you for who you are, or they're not. And if they like you for who you are, that's awesome. If they don't like you for who you are, that's awesome. (laughs) Because how much time do we spend trying to get people to like us and be someone else? That's one of my biggest core values, be authentic, be you.
1: Agreed. That's awesome. I like this, the structured nature of that. And that's a good friend, whoever that whoever that person is for you, because that is um, a rare, I guess it's similar to authenticity, right? Like it's, it's right there. It's accessible. These, these relationships where we can be honest are just around the corner and, and people who know us and love us want to be there for us in that way. But it does take some courage sometimes, especially yeah, yeah, with with the male conditioning around everything's okay. I'm not going to talk about it. I don't have feelings. <laughs> yep, yeah. It takes that. That's, extra it. That's step. exactly it. Yeah, for sure. And, and
0: and it is, and it takes practice. Don't think and and here's because here's another thing that people fall into. Well, I just learned something new. I was just listening to Robert and Thomas talk, and they talked about you know how to be able to do this. And then the mind goes, okay, you just learned it. You've now got to be perfect at it. And that's one of the ways our mind holds us back. And so the moment that it doesn't go the way we think it should, we then get upset and we stop because, well, it didn't work the way they said. But practice, practice, practice. Do you think I'm at the level I'm at right now because it just instantly happened? No. I stumble and fail so many times, but I don't look at it as failures. I look at it as feedback how many times do our greatest lessons come from what did not work in our life? And when we take it in that perspective, okay, i got some great feedback. Now we can move forward another step. But if we sit there and go, Oh, I failed. I'm bad. I'm terrible. Oh, I suck. Oh, why am I even trying? Which is what we <laughs> normally do to ourselves. No wonder yeah. we get frustrated. Right? So allow yourself. And and this is a tough totally. message for some um, men to hear is be willing to be more gentle with yourself. Be your own best friend. Because think about the saying, if you had a friend that treated you the way you treat yourself, they wouldn't be your friend for very long. But yet we take it from ourselves. So learn to be more gentle with yourself. Because, and and here's one of the lessons that came from me that really got to me where I am. We all have masculine and feminine in us. Everybody. I don't care if you're a man, woman, doesn't matter. And your core, if you're out of alignment with your core, so you can be a male and have a feminine core. And that's why a lot of people struggle when they're trying to be the man when they have a feminine core. But if your core is masculine, when my wife and I met as an example, to give you an idea, and I'm very blessed, Thomas, in this way, we met when we were 13. We started dating when we were 16. We got married when we were 19. And we actually just celebrated two months ago our 32nd wedding anniversary. And so I've been blessed to be married That's to awesome. my high school sweetheart. And we, when we both grew up, my wife is actually the youngest of five children raised by a single mother. And her mother taught her children, especially her two daughters, be independent, don't rely on a man. So when we got together, my wife was in a very masculine energy. And in all relationships, the masculine and the feminine dance. And so because she was in her masculine a lot, I automatically would go into my feminine. And we had a great relationship, but because she was out of core and I was out of core, it caused health issues, it caused struggles in a lot of different areas. And the moment when I started learning and doing the journey of personal development, and the moment I learned how to be able to gift her, by me going into my masculine, which would then gift her into her feminine, our relationship went to a whole new level. But it's, I'm not always trying to be the man, the masculine. It's a dance. And you've got to allow that flow. And so one of the things I've found that most men struggle with is they're like, well, I'm the man. I've always got to be tough. I've got to take care of everything. I've got to fix this. I've got to be the savior. No, you don't. You can also be vulnerable. You can also be the person that says, hey, I'm having a hard time right now and reach out and ask for assistance. Because if you do, that's when you find you have amazing people around you and people are just waiting to be there to assist when they can. But if you're not willing to view vulnerability as a strength, how do you think you'll ever be open enough to accept assistance from other people?
1: Totally. And that, that interplay and that dance of the masculine and feminine, I think really well said, because we all have moments where we can't be the hero, like you said, and I try to be a humble person. Right. But of course I have moments where I want to be the hero, right? That's just, there's something in us that whether it's media, we grow up on reading stories, reading the news of seeing, you know, we all have these fantasies of success and being these heroes, if you will. And that's totally possible, but I think that something people don't realize is that those hero moments are the everyday moments more so than tackling the robber who stole the purse from the old lady. You know what I mean? Like the hero moments are both of us signing up to do this and showing up on a holiday because we made a commitment and we're going to follow through and be the type of person that follows through in a commitment. And it's whatever the commitments are in our lives that we do every day for the people who we love and being a good friend, I feel like those are the real hero moments as opposed to making all the money and being famous or whatever whatever the society tells us that we should strive for, right?
0: I totally agree. And if people ask me all the time, they say, Robert, how do I do what you do? Travel around the world, be in front of audiences, helping people. And I look at him and said, if you want to do what I do, then be willing to do what I do behind the scenes. <laughs> The hard, unsexy work behind the scenes that make it look like what I'm doing on stage is a lot easier. The practice I put in, the self-development, the self-awareness, I work so much more on me that behind the scenes, and and that's the kind of unsexy truth, is people aren't willing to put the work in behind the scenes. They want to just look good when it's time to show up and make the money or be the hero and look at, I love that society right now is absolutely fascinated with like the Avengers and all the superhero movies. Look closely at the behind the scenes stories of every single one of those heroes. Look at what the um, struggles they go through with their mind, with their health, with what's going on. They don't just get to always be, you know, look, Iron Man isn't just Iron Man 24 seven a day. He has the problem with who he is as a person. And he has to go on that personal journey. And you have to be willing to love all sides of yourself. And there's days where I'm just, I'm a miserable son of a bitch. And you know what? Mm -hmm. In those times, that's who I am in that moment. And I don't beat myself up over it. If I make a mistake, I'll apologize quickly. But I get bad days, just like everybody else. But the people that think they always have to be Oh, look, oh, everything's perfect, everything's perfect, everything's perfect. And then you wonder why they crash because they've worked so hard trying to make things perfect, suppressing what's not working in their life, not having that group of core people that they can be there to support and be supported by. It's having that balance in your life. And uh, men, I, we struggle with this. Everybody does, but men, and a lot of it comes from that, you know, boys don't cry. Suck it up, yes. be a man. All these yes. things we heard as children, and and then we try to live it out. When Look, you're human. Vulnerability is strength, it's not a weakness. Allow yourself to be open, and you'll be amazed at how much stronger you actually become.
1: Totally. Because I feel that in stepping out and doing things, right? So public speaking, taking a leadership role in a friend group, taking a leadership role, being a coach you know a mentor at work whatever it is those moments of oh my gosh i'm putting myself out there right now what's going to happen am i going to sink or swim am i going to fail am i going to look like an idiot pushing through that i find for myself is really where the growth and the the fun and the inspiration <laughs> is and the i want to get up the next day and, and do it again and try to be better oh so yeah i, I and, agree and, man and
0: guess what you're <laughs> going to look like an idiot you're going to look like an idiot embrace <laughs> it <laughs> why try totally. to be anything but
1: <laughs> totally and, the, and it's it's a cool experience because I don't know the statistics on it I'm sure there's there's some kind of psychological survey but how many people actually go for it and do the get out of the comfort zone compared to how many people try and are okay with looking like an idiot and what are yep. their how's their mental health how's their mindset of feeling satisfied and feeling like when they're going, when they're dying, did I live a good life? Did I go for it? And yeah, so that's an interesting one. But Robert, I want to go back to the the interplay in your in your relationship because that's a really good one to drill down on, especially from the the men's health and the men's self development angle. I mean, that whole concept, right, of of embracing one's feminine as a man, or yeah, letting your partner step into her masculine. You know, that's a concept that maybe a lot of people never even heard of. So for you, how did you get comfortable with that? And then, <laughs> and then let's say someone has never even thought conceptualized of what does it even mean? You know, like it, some people might've even scratched their head and said, what does he even say? Like, you know, you know, this is kind of like, I, I'm in San Francisco. So I, you know, this is my mojo. I like, I love that stuff, but how would yeah. you break it down for someone who's never kind of heard that term?
0: Well, yeah, you know, and and again, it was a whole new paradigm for me when I learned this. Um, I think 2002 is when I started first diving into it, and I was in a training where the work was based a lot on a, by a gentleman named David Data. And if you read David Data's work, he works definitely on here's the masculine, here's a feminine, and really defines it. Now, I'm a big believer, though, Thomas. I love to learn from as many people as I can, but I don't have to, and and I want to learn from more than one person because one person's. Per- Perspective isn't nor necessarily right in every aspect for my life. And I take golden nuggets. So there's a lot of things that David Data says that I don't go by with the masculine and feminine, but there's a lot of little great things that I do. And so as an example, the masculine is the scheduler, the t- being on time. Here's how this works. Here's how the, the feminine is just to go with the flow. And it's like, this is why, you know, a woman, as an example, I'll be down in five minutes. 20 minutes later, they're still up there picking out something to wear. And why is the guy getting frustrated? Because the guy's like, come on, we got to go. It's the timing. <laughs> and so on that dance, it's, it's, there's times where I am very structured time-wise. I live by my phone, by my calendar. However, one of the things I put my wife and I on our calendar, the first thing we put on before anything else is we put in what we call our balance pieces or our ways of pampering ourselves. That's time for ourselves time for each other, time for family, like camping and stuff like that. And in those times, I purposely allow for it to be whatever it needs to be. It's not structured time. I allow it to be the feminine time of, if I sit there and we just go floating down the river for five hours, I'm not going to sit there and go, oh my God, we we're only supposed to be doing this for three hours. We got to get off the river now. It's I was like, no, nope. pun intended. I'm going to just go with the flow of that river and enjoy life. And so it's just allowing to, to have that balance back and forth. And again, it comes back to that. It's a, it's a practice. So if you want to learn more about it, I would recommend reading the information by David Data, but know that he, he's very particular. Like the man's role is this, and the woman's role is this. She's the goddess. You know, it, there's both sides of every coin. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little bit in the middle on it. And just intuitively... Trust and allow what feels right for you to guide you on what works for you. And then take one step. Be willing to stumble. Uh, It's something you said earlier. I would never be have stepped on stage if I thought I had to be perfect at it. Oh, man, I make some of the biggest faux pas on stage. And that's why, again, you learn to apologize quickly. Because I've made, uh, just from traveling around the world, I've made cultural mistakes on the stage. And as soon as someone points out I may have said something or did something that isn't culturally okay in the country I'm in, I own it. I don't try to cover it up. I don't like, oh, no, I'm like, I apologize. And I learn from it. So, you know, that's that dance back and forth. Quit trying to be, think you have to be right about everything, tough about everything. You know, no one can teach me anything new. Yeah, bull.
1: <laughs> totally. Yeah, think about um, I, my perspective too is like I think about the type of person I want to be around and it's not the person who's closed off, it's not the person who thinks that they're the most knowledgeable person in the room and doesn't need to take other's perspective and doesn't need to be reflective. So totally yep. totally agreed.
0: And we and we all know we all know people that have to they know everything. <laughs> and it's like good on you. Yeah, Good yeah, on yeah. You. I, I, I'm happy being me and I'll tell people I have one brain cell left. I'm doing everything I can to take care of that one brain cell. And people said, why are you putting yourself down and saying that? I'm like, I'm not, I'm, it's my way of reminding myself that I still have a lot to learn and I don't have to know everything. I'm okay to keep things simple.
1: For sure. One, one other thing, I guess i I'd like to go down on the, on the role of, of, I guess we'll talk about partnerships with your, your wife. You've been together for the 32 years now. Congratulations. Thank you. The pampering and the self-care routine sounds awesome, but I'm sure there are times when things get frustrated and, and this whole self-development journey, you've probably developed a lot of hacks or practices to keep that relationship going. So yeah. another thing also, just the success rate of marriages, right? not particularly high. (laughs) So you, you you found something there, you know, it's what, so what's that magic mix in your relationship that has kept it going that someone in the audience could, could take away?
0: Well, you know, I, I look at the influences in my life. So as an example, my mom and my dad, they met six weeks later, they got married and they were married for 42 years before my mom passed away. And so I watched how they did their relationship. Um, Then from my siblings, I'm the youngest of four, I've watched my um, brother that's closest to me in age. He's now uh, been through two marriages. My oldest brother's been through three marriages, and my sister's (laughs) on her eighth marriage. So I've learned how not to do relationships from them. So you can learn from every situation, right? And one of the practices that my wife and I have is, if it gets to that stage where we just cannot see eye to eye and we're so both at the boiling point and we're just, you know, just no matter what the other person says, it's pissing us off. Then one of our commitments to each other is we will actually sit down and we have it. And and it's a, this is a context that's set in place. This is an agreement that's set in place that when we get to this stage and we say it's time to sit down and, and just hash it out. So, if I'm sitting across from you and you have something on your mind, most arguments is the people battling back and forth, trying to prove why they're right and trying to overtalk the other person. The way this practice works is you'll say what's on your mind in that moment. And I just listen. When you're done, you say you're done. And I'm not trying to fight back. I'm not trying to cut you off. I just sit there and let you keep talking until you're done. No matter how long that is done. When you're complete, And you say, done. Now it's my turn. And it's the same thing. I'll go for as long as I need to, to get it all out. And until I'm finished talking, my wife just listens. And at first it could go like 20 minutes before the other person lets each other to talk. (laughs) But as you go back and forth, all of a sudden the energy starts to dissipate and it gets shorter and shorter. And also in the mind for whatever reason starts to open up and because when you're in the moment trying to think of what to say while they're talking, you're not really actually present with them. Because you're trying to remember, w- why are they bringing this up now? What really happened? Bullshit, this is what. But if you're sitting there and actually listening, when it's your turn to talk, now you know a lot of the stuff you're trying to think of is gone because you're truly present and you're speaking your truth in the moment. And so it may be longer interaction back and forth in the beginning, but also it gets shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter till all of a sudden you're like, and you feel that energy release and let go. And now you can truly get to the root of what's actually causing the problem. And that's when you can actually solve the problem. And you you may not be able to fix it, but at least in that moment, you might be able to come to an agreement like, okay, I get it. We're going to agree to disagree as an example, but I do see your point of view and I'll do my best to honor that that's your perspective and not try and fight against it. And I hope that makes sense. And it's a practice that it takes practice because our automatic reaction is if my wife is upset and yelling at me, I want to be able to defend. I want to tell her why she's wrong, why that's incorrect. But if I have the courage to just listen, let her get it out, knowing I'm going to have my turn to let my energy out, it, be, it becomes a very healthy way of communicating.
1: Totally. So, just to get the mechanics of it. So, I say what I'm feeling. You listen, settle. Then you do the same thing. Then you speak about what you're feeling. And we just go back and forth until we get yeah, to the Yeah. And the person that's speaking, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, the person speaking has to say they're complete. The other person waits. And because if I try to cut in, that's me trying to, you know, justify or whatever. So even if you go for an hour, the other person sits there and listens, present, listens. And then, yeah, that's that's the awesome. basic mechanics. Yeah. It definitely goes a little deeper, yeah. but uh, that's the basics of it.
1: Nice, man. Thanks for sharing that. That's the second time you've used that phrase, I'm complete. And one thing I've noticed is that some people have very activated language. So intentionality with word choice and thinking before one speaks mm-hmm. and using enabling and uplifting language as opposed to meh or negative or blasé language. So is that something you're conscious of as far as your word choice and the vocabulary that you, that you use?
0: Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I do teach some of this work, I try to be more conscious of it But I don't get to the extreme where I'm so I have to do it just right or else if I tried to do that, I'm now out of my present moment because I'm now trying to figure it out. Am I doing it right? Which takes me away from actually being in that moment. Uh, What I'm more focused on and conscious about, Thomas, is how can I be present more of the day? And so as an example, and it's another um, hack, if you want to call it that, that my wife and I use. And I'll ask it like this. Have you ever been having a conversation with someone, Thomas, and you may be there physically talking to them, but either you or them, you know, the mind somewhere else in that moment. Have you ever had those situations?
1: Never. No, yeah, <laughs> of course, Never. of course.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and so most people, that tends to be what happens. And, and when it comes to success, as an example, this is one thing that gets most people frustrated. Is Like, my family is going to pay the price as I'm going for success because I'm not spending as much time with my family. And what they don't realize is the time they are spending with their family, they're not really there because their mind's on other things. And they think it's all about the quantity of time that they spend. But it's not. It's the quality. Your family will take less time if it's quality time versus just quantity of time when you're not really there with them. So I can be on the other side of the world and I could just finish 12, 13 hours on the stage. I'm spent. I'm done. But one of the commitments my wife and I have is before we, I go to bed, we connect, even if it's for five minutes. And I, this is where one of the ways, many ways I love technology. We get on a FaceTime call so we can see each other. And even if it's only a five-minute call, if we're truly present with each other, we can complete and really feel connected in that five minutes. And so one of the things that we do is if in that conversation, we notice the other person drifting that their mind's going somewhere. We don't get upset. We don't sit there and go, oh, you're not listening to me. We simply say to the other person, come back to me. And that's just a little phrase that triggers like, oh, hi. Yeah, I'm here. And in that five minutes of being present, that's worth hours of being together, but not really being together.
1: And th- so that's another hack we use. That's awesome. Beautiful. And I think that... That's another one of those examples of really showing up and that being a hero moment of making a commitment and following through to it. That's one of the things that's resonating with me lately is just the idea of commitments and yeah, showing up and following through. So I just want to echo that. And that's an example, right? We talk about men being getting in their own way, trying to be egomaniacs and and think that they're the best, but actually doing something like making a commitment to your partner or your wife And no matter where you are in the world, doing it and her, she's going to know that you're going to be there. You know, you're going to be there. And that helps keep that foundation strong, even if you're thousands of miles away.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, I don't want anybody listening or watching to think that I'm perfect in any way. Oh my God, that is, I'm perfectly imperfect and I own that. I know I'm going to make mistakes and I'm okay with that. And you brought up a, an interesting word, the ego. You know, and that's another thing where I've watched so many people, men and women struggle is because they're like, well, um, I've got to get rid of my ego or it's not healthy to have an ego. Hey, we all have egos. And if you try to deny that you do, you're causing yourself more harm, health, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, financially, for sure. And one of the things I've learned over the years is that when I'm on stage, as an example, for me, and this is my choice. There's no room for ego to play. I'm there for my students. I'm there to be present for them. How can I assist them? But I know if I don't take care of my ego in a healthy way, it's going to surface when I don't want it to. So I've learned how can I allow my ego to come out, play in a healthy way. And so for me, as an example, video games. I love video games. And so when I'm playing a video game, so if Thomas, if you and I are going head to head in a video game or any kind board game, card game, doesn't matter, you're going down. Because for me, that's what my <laughs> ego has. It's allowed to play. So I'm right. going to be like, I'm going to get cocky. I'm going to be putting it in your face that I've got a good move or I outplayed you because I'm doing and now this is my healthy expression of my ego. And a lot of times I, it's, I'm playing a game on my own. So it's not like another person's on the other side going, what a jerk also you know, but it's my my safe space for the ego to come out full force and really have its time to show so that when it's time for it to not be there I can be there be present for the people I'm trying to assist
1: I love that man awesome Robert well there are a lot of nuggets of information practices so we covered your start and your journey towards financial freedom and developing passive income some of the practices that you do to develop a healthy sense of masculinity and to not fall into the trap of kind of the cultural conditioning and being this stoic closed off man and then details about your relationship and how you the practices you and your wife use to keep that going so there's a lot of really valuable information man thank you and we're going to pivot over to the the three things game which is uh, a <laughs> cornerstone of every uh, every episode of the bro nouveau podcast So what month is your birthday in, Robert? May. May. Okay. So you are up next. I don't have the cards because I'm traveling, but I will read your question. Your question is, what are three things you have learned about competition?
0: Three things I've learned about competition. One, I guess, would be competition is healthy. It absolutely is. It keeps you upping your game, Two. I guess let's go back to ego. Competition could be a healthy way to allow your ego to play in a safe way, as long as it's a healthy competition. And three, I've switched my life to, instead of competition, it's cooperation. I would rather now cooperate. You know, I'm a very big into abundance thinking. And so when you're in competition mode, that's a lack mindset. I've got to beat the other people. But if you go into cooperation I love creating relationships with people where we can both benefit more uh, and instead of me trying to do it all on our own. So I love to have those kind of, especially in business, business relationships. I don't have to be the best. I want to be a group of people where we're all amazing because then we complement each other. So that would be probably the third thing about competition.
1: Nice, find find a way to make it collaborative and instead of a zero-sum game where everyone can can thrive.
0: Yep, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, because look, even in the arena of doing training and coaching, um, if I'm trying to be the best, then I'm always having to work myself to the bone just to try to stay at the top of the game. But if I sit there and I, I love to refer people, if I'm not the best at something, I'm going to say, you need to talk to this person. Like there's a gentleman, absolutely, Thomas, have to interview awesome. for Bro Nouveau. And this gentleman, I'll tell you, he, he uh, he's viking. And he talks about the archetypes, and but his main passion is he actually works with at-risk youth and their families. He runs one of the top facilities in North America for teens that have you know, attempted suicide or have heavy addictions. But he doesn't just work with them, he works with the families. And you talk about um, dispelling the myth of the masculine and the male always having to be so tough and that. What he's able to do with young people is mind-blowing. And coming from his heart-centeredness, he would be an amazing person to interview on your podcast.
1: Awesome! Thank you so much. And so I,
0: yeah, and I have no problem um, referring him because it's not a competition,
1: right?
0: He's someone I know will serve you and your audience. So why wouldn't I refer?
1: Totally, and that's again a great takeaway for you know building a healthy network, treating people well, being selfless sharing the resources, right? Pulling people up as opposed Mm -hmm. to thinking, oh, you know, (laughs) yeah, whatever the, what other unhealthy, there are a million unhealthy mindsets, but that way just exemplified is a beautiful example, man. So thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Awesome. All right. Here's one for me. What are three things I've learned from getting sick? Man, every time one, every time I get sick, I learn to appreciate my health more because it's so easy Mm -hmm. to not, cherish what we have right so i'm an athlete and right now i have an ankle injury and i can't play my rugby i can't exercise the way i want to i can't train and it's just such a reminder of man next when this is healthy i'm really gonna cultivate that that practice of of appreciating it so number two i would be it's taught me to definitely just be aware of my health waking up in the morning and being grateful that i have healthy Mm -hmm. lungs and I can get up and go after this. I can go outside and, and get some fresh air and feel the, the sun on my skin. You know, th- those things mm. are so integral to living a satisfying life, I feel. And it's almost, for me, it's often until I'm sick, I don't I don't really realize it or appreciate it. Number three, I mean, I've learned about being sick that it's it's not just physical too, it's mental, right? There's, mm. as we've been alluding to, this whole conversation has been around, creating practices that prevent us from feeling sick mentally. And then for some people, it's even more so than just things that we can talk about and brainstorm remedies. Sometimes, you know, if a mental illness is in play, it's, it's chemical, it's completely out of the control of the mind. So there are layers to that too. So yeah, I I would say gratitude. Every time I get sick, I just feel grateful that I'm not sick consistently. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Right. That's that's some beautiful stuff. I love that.
1: Awesome. Robert, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can the audience find your work and your services if they're interested to to learn more from you?
0: Yeah, you know, and here's the thing. Um, I'm going to say this, Thomas, because you were so gracious to invite me to be on your podcast and I honor, to me, time is one of our most precious commodities that we have. And especially your listeners, taking their valuable time to listen to this interview. What I'd love to do as a gift from us if they go to robertriopel.com, just my name, R-O-B-E-R-T-R-I-O-P-E-L.com, they're actually going to be able to download the entire digital version of my international selling book, Success Left a Clue. And I'd love for them, as our gift to them, to go and download that. But it does, I will say, it does come with a, ca- a caveat. I didn't write the book for people to read it and put it on the shelf and make it shelf help. That's not why I wrote it. <laughs> It, it, in the book, oh, good. You got my work. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I, I wrote the book with six steps on how people can really take their life and design the life they want. Step number three is take action. In all my travels around the world, that's the one thing I've noticed that is the biggest separator from people who have success and people who don't. Successful people take action. So I wrote the book as a workbook. All the way through, I have action steps and I want you to do the actions don't just read it and I'll actually say in the book hey did you do the last action if you didn't stop reading right now go back and do that action before you read any further because we are creatures of habit so I'd love for your audience go download the book use it and if they do do the action steps I guarantee it'll make an impact on their life
1: beautiful well i Could definitely check it out too so Robert thank you so much man Go enjoy that beautiful Alberta summer. And uh, it was a real pleasure, man. Thank you so much for being here.
0: Thanks for having me, Tom.